Hi there! This week we have another lovely interruption in our usual programming for you. The following recording is an interview Steve had on the Sage Executive Podcast with Fernando Corona. Possibly one of the most interesting ones to date. Hope you like what you hear and let's get started. My name is Fernando Corona, and with this, we have a special guest that I'm excited to present to you guys. So without further ado, would you mind just quickly mentioning who you are? What is it that you guys do? Well, I'm Steve Biederman. Thanks for having me. I am the CEO and president of Nobel Biz, and we are a a call center-specific carrier and a manufacturer of software for contact center. So phone systems, all the reasons why when you get a phone call, you're angry. It's us. We're the people that, that make the machinery behind it. <laughs> and uh, so how, right now, what are call centers, I guess, what's their struggle of current call centers that don't have your guys' service or product? Well, really uh, a critical time with the pandemic. Uh, most people, I think you maybe too, are at home. I'm at home. You can see uh, we're all working from home. So to be able to do that properly, a, a contact center who's connecting with their parties all over the world uh, need to be able to have the technology that allows them to continue their business with the same visibility anywhere in the world. And uh, without our technology, you're pretty well stuck. You know, there isn't much you can do. I suppose you can use Zoom, but if you're making millions of calls a day, you know, you, you need a much more organized path to do it. Got it. Got it. Okay. No, that makes sense. Now, in your experience of building out your team, what would you say is the best part of building and being a leader? Oh my gosh. It's building a team. It's being able to influence a team. You know, I've been uh, in management for 40 years and probably 20 of them I've gotten better at being a leader and recognizing the difference. And it's taken uh, quite a long time to, to understand what the role is in my position. Uh, and the role is really to, to be able to coach, mentor, and build people so that they can really at the end of it all be better than they were for touching you and uh that's that's personally my my goal is to have that influence with people so when you're initially bringing them on i guess you you hear people say you know business is business and personal is personal you you try not to mix the two what do you kind of say with that i mean can you be a leader and not touch on the personal or what's your take well i don't think um and, and really, I, I would tell you that it, it's not so much a skill as who you are as a person. And and really live within honesty, live within when, within the reality. So we're at work to work. You know, we're talking to people about work, but we're also talking to people. And people have a whole dynamic that goes on that gets them into that seat in that moment at that time. And uh, you need to be available to them and you need to be natural with them and and not force it. I can tell you a a story many years ago, I had a a boss of a business that uh, was not very good with people. And he was reading self-help books of how to be a better manager and a leader. And one day he was walking between two buildings and he walked up to, to one of the people working for him. And he walked up and he goes, hey, how are you doing? 
And they stopped and they were surprised he said it. And they started to answer and he started walking past them and went to the next person. And I realized that, my gosh, he, he read the first part of that, that book, but he forgot the second part <laughs> here. You know, and, and uh, I think it's just caring that really pulls it off. Nice. Okay. Yeah. So then it sounds like you would say, Hey, it's okay to, to be human and put something personal in there. Cause they're not machines. They're not robots. Right. And at the same time, I think uh, it's important that people recognize what our roles are and why we're there. Uh, for an example, for me, my job is to always be in management mode. And that requires me to, to recognize, though, that I might be hitting somebody off the off skew and they may not be in that mode in that moment and i have to pause and not be so forceful that i forget that, that there's a human being there too yep exactly so in in all of this how long have you have been building the company that you started by the way right now how long have well, you guys been Biz is not a company i started uh it is has been here for 22 years. We're an international organization. We actually have five different businesses within our suite of businesses, and uh, you know, very strong company. I've been here managing the operations for the last couple of years. I've been managing similar operations or founding them within the same industry and the same uh, vertical uh, since 1998. So you know, quite a quite a long yeah. time. And so I'm curious that there's a lot of Let's see, um, a lot of different noise or strategies out there for client acquisition. I mean, since 1998, if you've been hustling and bustling, how yeah. have the strategies changed and kind of how have you had to adapt? What have you found to be working now for you guys? Well, I think in our particular industry, it's, uh, it's a slower moving industry. So Contact Center has been here for way before automation was here, just you know, from Alexander Graham Bell, probably. So he started calling people unwanted. So <laughs> Stop cold calling me, man. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, he was called. Yeah, he called the first guy cold, in fact. You know, he that's uh, hilarious. called him, I think, is how it is. <laughs> but but um, in my own case, uh, I began to build and manufacture a contact center call calling system called the predictive dialer back in 98. And as we began to grow, even in the early 2000s, we started to see organizations uh, consolidating. So you could not only see contact centers consolidating, but you saw the manufacturers like us consolidating too. And it, it felt to us that it was much harder in a mature industry to get started and to get momentum singularly uh, by organic, just doing it ourselves. So we entered into an acquisition approach, uh, not immediately, but within the first two years. And through the course of that business, and that was called Touchstar Software, which was a world leader inevitably in what it did, we ended up acquiring five different competitors. Uh, that model that we use continues today within the industry. And that's so over the last 18 years, you actually are seeing it the same way. And in fact, Noble Biz, when I first walked in, one of the first things I did was we acquired a competitor. And in, in fact, in the same uh, approach and dynamic that, that I had done it over the years. Mm, okay. So, so growth, I mean, that's a strategy right there, right? Growth and acquisition. Yeah. That's a big yeah. one. 
Well, you know, you, I think you have to decide who you are. And if you want to be boutique and specific to a, a certain portion of an industry or a segment, mm. uh, that's a model. And that model has different rules. And those rules don't typically use, use acquisition. They can, but, but yeah. not necessarily. Whereas uh, in, in the case of us, where we are a world leader in what we do, and, and we're trying really to embrace everyone within the market space, uh -huh. uh, acquisition is required. I mean, you have direct sales, you have acquisition, and, and uh, you, you have other influencers that, that help your growth. Got it. Got it. No, that, that's solid. Now, how does that work when you now have to acquire clients for all of them or they already have their own systems in place? So you're, you're just bringing them in more so to as a support for you to support them, but you let them run their operations as they have been because well, obviously... They, I, oh. I would tell you this. I've learned not to do that uh, because... Uh, and I think I had that, that perspective early stage in acquisitions. Uh, over time, you start to realize that, hey, look, we have a model. We have a, a, a reason for this acquisition. Mm -hmm. It may be technology. It may be market share. Uh, it, you know, it may be taking out competition. It, it can be various reasons. But whatever the reason is, that's not the reason that somebody sold us that company. And mm -hmm. so they have their own model, and their model work them all the way into me acquiring them. But at the point of that acquisition, our model has to be the leading edge. And if we're clear in our thinking, we do those uh, those growth moments uh, specifically for a reason in a tightly managed approach, inevitably we're bringing in, them into our circle. That being said, there are times you keep them as standalone organizations uh, yeah. because there's value in that to, to be able to take over maybe a different market segment yeah and they might have already a brand name that they can continue yeah. leveraging and you know there's other reasons yeah got it, got and it. there's a value to to the branding and you don't want to throw that out so it isn't acquire again do the overlap management and then get rid of them but it's it's you have to decide how do I integrate that company and make that decision before you ever do the acquisition so that yeah. there are no questions left open by the time you, you have them in place. And do you share that strategy with the, um, you know, with the top level execs when you actually do acquire them, you know, or, or is that a strategy you keep to yourself before you actually, you know, before you acquire them? Is it just, you know, how does that work? That's a really good question because uh, there's different schools of thought. You know, one is you want to get the deal done and so you reveal very little. And uh, I have found that counterproductive to reality. So to me, it's I'm going in, I'm going to acquire a want to acquire you and I'm going to tell you exactly why, Fernando, this is what my drivers are. Tell me about your drivers. Let's see if they connect. If they connect, great, and then we say it. It's just like how you manage people when we were talking about uh, management and leadership. It's, you know, be straightforward. Uh, honesty should be the leading edge and visibility so that when they walk in, you didn't acquire a problem, you, you would because even in the best situations where all eyes are open and usually you're buying founder-based companies, 
what inevitably happens is there's going to be some grit. That company is going to say, I'm not, I didn't really know what I was getting into. I'm yeah, uh, with this. So the more you can expose that early, it's better because although you might get a deal done simpler without revealing that, uh, what are you taking on? You're only taking on uh, problems for everyone. So yeah, visibility, and I think that's the best. Part. I think that's that's for sure. That's honorable. You're yeah. you're having that um, transparency, which yeah. I think is respectable. Well, you have to say, look, this is not going to be easy for you. I know we get you get to meet certain goals you have, but there's going to be a dynamic that's going to be really uncomfortable for you. And let's tell you what it's like. Let's even share with you some other acquisitions we've done. Talk to them. So they know what to expect. Who we really are. Because, you know, what got us here isn't all, you know, smiling. That's right. That's right. Okay. And so now, now we're going to go into an opportunity where you've already dropped a good amount of value. And I know you're here joking about it before, like, ah, I don't know if what I'm going to be able to share, but this is yeah. an opportunity for you to really share with other execs out there. Um, you know, what kind of advice would you give to them? And I, so I'll, yeah, I'll leave that to you. Well, you know, you, as a leader of a company or uh, really the management of the company, you have to understand what those differences are. And often come, uh, what happens is people get into my seat through working hard, being entrepreneurial, it grows and grows and my gosh, they look around and they have a few hundred employees or they have uh, a lot of clients. And all of a sudden that same person is not, they're working and they look around and say, now what am I supposed to do? Well. The job that I'm sitting in is really a job of saying, my job is to find what, what is our vision. So get clear on your vision, assign the strategy to that vision, know what the tactics are to meet that strategy, and then use your management to implement that. But you have to have a single value system, a single uh, vision, a single core value, and a single strategy. And it's not an option for anybody. But at that point that I, from my seat, have those pieces in place, at least the, the wireframe for it, at that point you bring your management in, and at that point your management begins to implement uh, and build the tools that you need to, to do it. It's a very clear approach. I would tell you that a lot of people building up and not planning to be in this seat and finding themselves here don't know that and they make it very complicated, but it's very, very almost singular in nature. Yeah, but how do you know how far to go with your strategy? Um, is your strategy like, you know, hey, at the end of the year, or is it three years? Um, and then, or, or not, not even that, like, at what point do you declare an exit strategy? Or like, right. hey, we don't, we don't want to grow any more than this. I, I don't know. I guess I have more questions. I think some that. of that's iterative, Fernando. I, I think that... Uh, there's really only so far you can you can see into the future and be prescient. So so you you really want to take the the area that you feel you can control because remember management is control uh, know everything you can all the time and then use that information to control what you can control. And if I can control within the next 24 months, then I'm going to plan for that 24 months and I'm going to match that plan against the vision that we have for the company. And then that plan is specifically tied into the strategy. And the strategy is really built there for what reason? 
simply to implement that plan. And so that plan will take you to steps. But if you say, like the old Soviet Union, I'm going to build five-year plans, five-year plans, and five-year plans, you, you may be where there is no more Soviet Union today, because <laughs> I think you're planning too far in the future. We be reasonable about planning to the level you can control. Mm, yeah. And I'm sure that's practice because anybody who's like, you know, you, you start, you start going one way and then I wonder if you know, things probably pivot and you change and th- th- like something happens like right now. Right. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you, you well, got to be able to, you. That's the yeah. piece. but that's the exciting, exciting piece. And it can happen not just with an entrepreneurial company. It can happen with major corporations like a, a noble biz. It can happen on any level, that same dynamic. And that's, that's really the, the thing that lights people's fire, you know, is to do that. Well, Steve, what other leaders that you, you know, you're claiming are capable of seeing this vision and strategy uh, that you would like to acknowledge that could share some of their value, uh, some of their experiences, their wisdom onto others? Who, who would you kind of recommend uh, hopping onto the podcast? Well, onto the podcast specifically, uh, I think of, of certain mostly people that have started as entrepreneurs and that have, have grown into their position through the, the different variables that they have been hit with and then reacted in a, in a, in a really uh, strong and, and successful fashion. I can think of one in particular that just popped into my mind when you talk. Her name is uh, Krista Heibel. And Krista is just, yeah, she's just incredible. Um, I, I have others that I could bring to you. I think that, that you would find that, that she in particular uh, is strong. She visits lots of businesses. I, I have another person, Rebecca. It's interesting. I, I know it sounds like I'm only picking uh, women in this regard. <laughs> uh, there are, are great men too, but in the moment, I'm thinking of the most. No, that's, that's totally cool. <laughs> I'm thinking of the most dynamic people, but uh, Rebecca is the head of a, uh, has built a company called Numerical, very strong. What what I find uh, exciting to me are people that are functionally very sound, but willing to, to step out of their comfort zone and take their enthusiasm and do something with it. So it's really take your enthusiasm and use your functionality to make it work. So a lot of people have great ideas. Not a lot of people know how to implement those ideas. So the ones I recommend, like a Rebecca, like a Crystal, are the people that know how to match those two together. No, yeah, thank you for that. I'll, I'll be sure to reach out to them. Now, okay, I'll get you their contact info. Thank you. The, the last piece, and this is kind of a fun question for you. Um, you know, you, you have your team that's all remote and you guys are global. So what are some ways that you celebrate either by yourself and family or with the whole team? Yippee! No, I'm kidding. Uh, we, well, we, <laughs> to, we got a win, guys. Yes. All right, let's get back but to work. No, you, know, you, you have to know your wins. Uh, we actually celebrate on many levels, and uh, uh, I love that part. Because honestly, every week, probably every day, if each of us in our management roles see what people are doing, the, the effort they're putting, there are, there are a lot of celebrations. They're not just the major, look at what we are as a company. It's look what we are as a, as a person. One of the things we do is we, uh, we bring in 
in, in ways to engage with people, to show our, our celebration of them. So as an example, uh, three days a week, we, have, we do desktop yoga. So we'll have video sessions where everybody comes and, and sits for 15 minutes, just 15 minute sessions with yoga where we're celebrating them. And we have uh, monthly meetings of our worldwide staff all together on, on Zoom together talking Some about gallery it. view. Yeah, and everybody talking about it. And and everybody recognizing that the celebration is it's not really founded in getting this award. I think that's a bit contrived. I think it's founded in, hey, Fernando, thanks, man. You're really doing a great job. And, and your 400 peers here, you know. Yeah, I mean, in that note, I totally think appreciation uh, goes a long way. Uh, yeah. How often in, do you think, or I guess, what really, from your experience, right, with the, the different employees that you have, especially as you're building a team, um, how, how would I say this? How are you ensuring that the ones that you may not be interfacing with consistently, right? The certain levels below below where you are. Yes, right. Um, how do you ensure that that they're receiving the same level of appreciation, or or really, how do you have a pulse, you know, multiple levels down? Well, it's really about how do you train management. So how I manage needs to be how you manage and how you manage to the next level needs to be similar obviously with who we are as people ourselves but in, yeah. in terms of the touch points that that are required with people all the time uh so you have to pick the right people you have to train the right management you have to hire correctly uh, but mostly you have to recognize that every single person in the company is equal equal in their how valid and, and valuable they are to the organization. Why would you have somebody if they weren't? Why would I need that seat if I if I didn't need that seat? And if I need that seat, how do I know that seat has any greater or less value than than someone, some other seat? Kind of like yeah. you know, when the challenger uh, fell out of the sky and it was just an O-ring. That O-ring was pretty darn valuable, right? Wait, what, I, I, what story are you talking about there? When the Challenger, you know, the shuttle blew out of the sky and it, oh, and, and, yeah. it, and, it and it was destroyed because of a simple O-ring. And mm. that O-ring, you might have overlooked it. You might have said, how important is that compared to this whole rocket sitting out there? But people wow. are the same. And, and if you don't take the time with everyone, in terms of culture, connectivity, and, and interest, then uh, you, you just shouldn't be in management. <laughs> no, this is all. This has all been super valuable, Steve. Uh, we're closing up now. For mm -hmm. others that want to get a hold of you, want to get a hold and learn more of your company, where do you recommend they go? Well, they go to noblebiz, n o b e l b i z dot com. You can always reach me. It's Steve. Biederman, B-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at noblebiz.com and uh, LinkedIn and uh, every other way you'll find us out there constant. That was the Sage Executive Podcast with Fernando Corona, which you can find on any podcast app you like or on Fernando's personal LinkedIn page. Until next time.